Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. Our second scripture reading for today comes from Exodus chapter 36. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've ever heard this passage preached in church. So as you listen, maybe like maybe you've heard a sermon preached on this. And if you have, you can tell me so after the service. Hear these words. Let Bezalel, Aholiab, and every other skilled worker whom the Lord has given skill, ability, and knowledge for the work of building the sanctuary... Do all that the Lord has commanded. Moses then called together Bezalel, Aholiab, and every skilled person whom the Lord had given skill and who was eager to come and do the work. Moses gave them all the gift offerings that the Israelites had contributed to the work on the sanctuary. They kept bringing him spontaneous gifts morning after morning. Finally, all the skilled workers building the sanctuary left their work that they were doing, one by one, to come and say to Moses, the people are contributing way too much material for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses issued a command that was proclaimed throughout the camp. Every man and woman should stop making gift offerings for the sanctuary project. So the people stopped bringing anything more because what they had already brought was more than enough to do all the work. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One summer when I was in middle school, I went with my godmother uh, to visit some of her relatives in L.A. Lower Alabama, that is. We were staying at my godmother's aunt and uncle's house. And when I first entered the house, I see in the kitchen, on the kitchen island, that it's just covered with trays and Tupperware containers of snacks and goodies. And, you know, being the good hostess that Aunt Bet was, she was like, oh, y'all have just arrived. You've had a long time in the car. Let me get you something to drink and eat. I was a middle schooler, so I was like, yes, please. It sounds good. So we go and sit down in the living room, and she brings us our drinks. And then she comes and she brings us small plates that kind of had an assortment of some of the goodies that she had out on the kitchen counter. And so we're visiting, and I'm eating. And then throughout the course of the conversation, Aunt Bet just keeps coming over with more plates of food. Here, try this. <gasps> this is really good. You're going to love it. And she kept bringing more and more plates. So much so that like the end table and the coffee table, it's like got all of these plates of food on it. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, there is no way I can eat all of this. And my parents raised me to respect my elders and to accept the hospitality that was given to me. But I was like, I don't have a purse to put this food in. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it all. And so I look over at my godmother and was just like, help, what do I do? My godmother intervened and interceded for me. She told her aunt, Aunt Pet, stop. 
plenty of food. Come and sit and visit with us. And so for that moment, Aunt Bet stopped trying to force food down our throats. Today's scripture passage, the one that we just heard from Exodus, tells about a time that the Israelites gave more than enough to the building of the tabernacle. But first, maybe we need a little bit of context and background. So the Israelites, the people God had called to be God's people, God had called Abram, right, who became Abraham. And then there was Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob had some sons. And the youngest one was the, uh, well, this next to the youngest one was Joseph. And if you remember back to maybe Sunday school lessons or back to other sermons and things that you've heard, the Israelites, uh, wherever they were living, they experienced a famine. They didn't have any food. And so the Israelites journeyed to Egypt because they heard a rumor that Egypt had food. And so when they get there, sure enough, they can buy food from Egypt. But they also discover that Joseph, their long lost brother, the one that they thought that had died, was still alive and that he was working for Pharaoh. And so the Israelites moved to Egypt because they were like, this is pretty sweet. Our brother is working for the guy in charge. Life is going to be good for us here. And life was pretty good for the Israelites until a new pharaoh came to power. A new pharaoh that did not remember Joseph. A new pharaoh that did not have that relationship with the Israelites. And so that new pharaoh enslaved the Israelites. They lived for hundreds of years in slavery. And the Israelites cried out to God, saying, God, remember us. Remember, we're your people. Why are we in slavery? Why are these hardships and difficulties happening to us? God heard the cries of the Israelites. And God raised up Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. And so if you remember the song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Oh, baby, let my people go. Yeah? So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. And then there are some plagues. And it goes back and forth, back and forth, until the very last plague, the death of uh, the firstborn. And so it's after that last plague that Moses goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's like, get out. Go. You can leave. But before they did, the Israelites did something that I think we often kind of just skip over. We forget this part. The Israelites do what Moses told them to do. They went to the Egyptians, the people that had enslaved them. They went to the Egyptians and they asked them for gold, silver, fine cloth, and other material goods to take with them on their journey. And here's something amazing. The Egyptians gave it to them. Said, here you go. They gave the Israelites gold and silver and cloth and other goods. The Egyptians, they had suffered these plagues. And so maybe they were giving their stuff to the Israelites to be like, hey, here you go, leave, get out of town. But also, maybe perhaps the Egyptians, we could see that this like payment of gold and silver um, could be thought of as back pay or reparations for the years of slavery that the Israelites had experienced. I just think it's interesting that we miss this part of the story. Because later on, we're going to talk about how the Israelites were generous with what they had in the wilderness. And it's like, they didn't have a target in the wilderness. How were they supposed to get all of these goods? 
to offer for the building of the tabernacle? Well, it came from Egypt. It came from the very people that had oppressed them for years. They asked and they received and they carried these goods with them. When I was a child and I heard these stories about the Israelites fleeing Egypt, I always just imagined them like maybe taking like a backpack. And the scripture tells us that they left in such a hurry that they didn't even have time for their bread dough to rise. That's why they ate flat bread when they celebrated the Passover. And so in my brain, probably as a child and as a young adult, I just thought, okay, they left so fast, they left everything behind. But no, God, through Moses, was preparing the people to leave. And so they gathered up their stuff, they gathered up these goods from the Egyptians and their dough that didn't have time to rise. And they headed out into the wilderness. They follow Moses into the wilderness, carrying with them the skills, the knowledge, and the material resources that they had acquired from their time in Egypt. And somehow, someway, God is able to use all that the Israelites have, all that they are, as they live together in the wilderness. So after Moses and the Israelites have been in the wilderness for several weeks, God gives Moses instructions for building a tabernacle or a portable meeting tent where the priests can lead the people in worship. In Exodus chapter 25, we read that God tells Moses to tell the Israelites to collect gift offerings for me. Receive my gift offerings from everyone who freely wants to give. These gift offerings, in some scripture passages, they call them free will offerings. Free will, they were not forced to give. They were, you know, the Israelites were asked to give, uh, to give as they wanted to, to give as they were free to give. These offerings were not demanded of them. You see, the Israelites are no longer slaves. Neither God nor Moses is going to demand and coerce the Israelites to give. Instead, they're invited to give as they see fit, to give as much as they would like. And so they give back to Moses and to God the gold, the silver, the fine clothing, and the other material goods that they had received and that they had gotten when they left Egypt. And so they're getting all of these material goods, and God instructs Moses to get together some skilled artisans who can take these materials and build the tabernacle with it. And so again, the Israelites, they're not slaves anymore. Moses isn't going to conscript these people to do labor. He says, no, if you're a skilled artisan, if you can work with gold and silver, if you can work with wood, if you can do something with all of this cloth, and you want to, come and share your time and your talents in building the tabernacle. And so the people did. They were eager to serve eager to participate in accomplishing God's purposes amongst the people of Israel. So these skilled workers, they start using the materials, they start putting the tabernacle together. And every day, Moses is receiving more and more offerings. The Israelite people are giving freely, they're giving spontaneously, they're giving generously to support the work of building the tabernacle. 
And so our scripture passage that we heard earlier says that after a point in time, the, the artisans, the skilled workers came to Moses and they said, Moses, you got to tell the people to stop. We have too much. We can't use all of these goods that they're giving us. The Israelites, they have been extravagant in their generosity. They have gone above and beyond in giving. And so Moses goes and tells the people, hey, y'all, we have more than enough. Can you see why I've never heard this passage preached in church before, right? How often had we heard a passage where uh, we hear in scripture or hear in other places that a leader steps up and says, hey, we have more than enough. We have more than what we need to do the work that God has called us to do. It doesn't happen very often. But we're people of faith, right? If it happened to the Israelites... Perhaps it could also happen to us. So what does this passage about the Israelites have to do with us today? Friends, I think we can all agree that we have been living in a prolonged season of wilderness. Collectively, we've been living in the wilderness of COVID. Life is different now. We have been forced to adapt and to keep adapting. Just when we think we have it figured out, something else changes. And we have to change our ways of living and interacting with each other. As a church, we had great plans for ministry. I look back to like January, February of 2020, and I was so excited and energized. Pastor Vance and myself had only been here like eight months, and so we were raring to go. And then, right? Felt like the brakes were put on. And perhaps you felt that way too in other seasons of your life other aspects of your life. You were so excited and eager to serve and to do, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself in the wilderness. As a church, I think we want to move forward. We want to reach the promised land. We want to uh, fully and wholeheartedly and authentically seek and love God, love and serve people in this place, and to see this place full of people experiencing the love of God. We want to move forward, but we're not there yet. So that can be frustrating and hard. And if you think about your own life, individually, many of us or our loved ones have gone through wilderness seasons of illnesses, Some have journeyed through wildernesses of job loss, divorce, anxiety, grief, or death. We are in the wilderness. And sometimes we're kind of like those Israelites from time to time who got frustrated, who complained, who cried out to God and said, God, you've forgotten us. You've left us. We didn't read that in the passage today. But if you read in Exodus, you'll hear over and over again the Israelite people complaining and crying out to God. I think it's human nature when we're in the wilderness, when we find ourselves in difficult times and seasons. It's uncomfortable, and so we cry out. We want to go back to the way things used to be, to what was known and to what was comfortable Sometimes we get frustrated because we want to move forward. We can see the future, but we just don't know how to get there. Or we're just taking one step at a time, and we're frustrated by the slow process. 
Friends, however you would describe your wilderness, whatever it looks like for you right now, I'm here to tell you that we are not alone. We are not alone in the wilderness. God is here with us. God is leading and guiding us. And friends, we are not empty-handed. We carry with us all of the skills, abilities, knowledge, and resources that we have acquired through the various seasons of our lives. Everything that we've gone through, we've learned something. We've gathered something. We've built relationships that have taught us and perhaps prepared us and equipped us for where we are right now. We carry all that God has given us, and we can use ourselves and all that we have to do what God is calling us here and now, even in the wilderness, to do. So we can be like the Israelites, who in this passage, in Exodus 36, they were eager to serve and eager to give. That's available for us. Last week, Pastor Vance preached about the parable of the talents. And he shared that perhaps this parable is meant to encourage us to question how we see and understand God. Do we see God as a generous God, willing to give extravagantly to us, and hoping that we will use all that God has given us and put it to good work in the world? Or do we see God as a miser who's stingy and who will judge us? Do we see God as someone we can't really trust? It strikes me that in this Exodus passage, the artisans that were eagerly sharing uh, their skills and the people eagerly sharing their material goods had just experienced God as a God of freedom. This God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and had led them into freedom in the wilderness. And it's not yet the promised land, and they're still going to complain, and they're still going to vent and cry out to God, and yet there is freedom. They're experiencing that freedom even now. As the Israelites have freely received this grace, this gift of freedom from God, now they have an opportunity to give back, to give back to God with glad and thankful hearts. And so perhaps their extravagant, overwhelming generosity that we see them giving spontaneously so that there's more than enough, it's because they have abundantly received from God. And so they are giving back to God with generosity and with thankfulness. Our words, our actions, the way we live our lives, the way we live in relationship with each other, the faith we live out in the world, however we place our trust, whoever we place our trust in, how we love, all of these things are indicators of what we think about God. If we live with abundant generosity, Perhaps we're doing so because we have received abundant generosity from God. If we live with abundant love and grace, willing to forgive and extend that to others, 
perhaps that's because we have received that. We have experienced that in our lives, and so we're willing to share that with others. Throughout this month with stewardship, we're inviting people to participate in the life and the ministry of First Church by making a pledge, a financial commitment. But this is more than just a number on a page. It's, it's more than just an amount of money. It's an opportunity to be generous, to respond with generosity to a God that has been so generous to you. In the Wesleyan tradition, what, generosity is rooted in grace, an emptying of oneself for others, an expression of love of God and love of neighbor. The Israelites experienced the grace and the goodness of God when God delivered them from captivity. The generosity of the Israelites was a tangible, practical way that they could love God and love their neighbor. The Israelites gave. They gave gold and silver and cloth and other material goods to the tabernacle so that it could be built and all of the various furnishings that went inside of it could be built. They gave so that they could have a sacred space for God to be present with God's people. They gave so that they could have a place to gather together to worship God. The Israelites gave so that the priests would have a sanctuary from which to intercede to God on behalf of the people. The Israelites gave so that the tabernacle um, would be a place that other nations could look at and say like, oh, we see that building, we see that structure, we see what those people are doing in that place. Oh, they are worshiping God. The tabernacle was a visible space, a visible reminder of the God that they worshiped and served. And the Israelites gave so that future generations of Israelites would come to know and worship God for however long they were in the wilderness. Every week in worship, whether we're here in person or online, we have an opportunity to practice generosity by giving of our tithes and our offerings. Giving is an expression of grace. Just as God has given extravagantly to us, we can give back to God. We demonstrate our love for God by supporting this church's efforts to do God's work in the world. We demonstrate our love of neighbor by supporting the church's efforts to seek, love, and serve people. We give so that this place can be a sacred space where God is present with us and with all who enter its doors. We give so that this church can be a place where people can gather together for worshiping God, in person and online and however else we gather for worship. We give so that pastors and staff and laity, all of you here today, can have a sanctuary where you can intercede to God on behalf of the world, on behalf of all that's broken and messed up in the world. This is a place to come and pray and to join our voices and our hearts together in prayer as we cry out to God together. We give so that this, through this church, all people in downtown Orlando and beyond will see and know that God loves all people, and so do we. And friends, we give so that future generations will come to know God and love God.
and worship God in this place. I've mentioned it before. The Israelites responded with extravagant generosity and their sharing of their goods. They were in the wilderness. They didn't have a target, right? What they had seemed finite and limited. And even in the wilderness, they trusted God and they gave. And they trusted that God was still going to provide for them, that God was going to make a way for them. They didn't respond with stinginess. They responded with generosity. According to Bishop Robert Schneezy, people who practice extravagant generosity change their lives in order to become more generous. They become rich in giving. They do not wait to be asked. When they see a need, they step forward to meet it, offering their resources as a means of help. They look at difficult financial times through the eyes of faith rather than of fear. They persist in doing good. And they give in all seasons. God has been extravagantly generous to us. To those of us gathered in this place, to us as a church. And people here at First Church have been extravagantly generous to the mission and to the work of First Church in the, years to, in the years in the past, and especially during COVID. And so, friends, we're asking you again to respond with extravagant generosity as we look forward to the ministry and the mission that God has for us in 2022 and beyond. Will you be extravagantly generous? Let us pray. Gracious and generous God, we give you thanks for all that you have given to us, for the times that you have delivered, delivered us from all that holds us captive, for the ways that you have been with us in the wilderness seasons of our lives, and for the moments we have spent in your promised land. Inspire us to give generously and wholeheartedly, just as you give to us. We remember the words of St. Francis. And pray that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution 
at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.